we lived in San Diego, there were neighborhoods where street vendors would sell oil paintings of all kinds. Mother Teresa would be alongside Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Martin Luther King Jr. Mike, you also had your choice of two kings, Elvis Presley or Jesus. You could get a headshot of Elvis or a full-body, hip-swinging Elvis. I'm pretty sure I know which one you bought, Ken, but the question is, was it a velvet Elvis? No, not velvet. Not velvet at all. Well, we've seen those kind of paintings too, but none of them look too real. No, they don't, but they do look really cheesy, especially <laughs> the ones of Jesus. Well, let's see. We have, you know, the different paintings of Jesus, the one with his hands folded, mm. Jesus holding a little lamb. It's, it's, cute. it's really cute. It's really cute. Or Jesus praying quietly in the garden. Oh, and then there's the Last Supper with Jesus in the middle. Yeah, it kind of looks like he's conducting a meeting of some kind. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was a board meeting of the disciples <laughs> or something of that nature. You said earlier, pre-Zoom meeting. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, um, and don't forget the one, there was that one where he was with the little children in a circle, and it looks like he's telling them a bedtime yeah, that story. One. I, I saw a meme one time of that picture. It had Jesus showing them his iPad. I, I'm not sure that was very accurate. <laughs> no, though. probably not. I don't think the iPad existed back then. Not yet. But I can imagine he wasn't telling them a bedtime story about the time he drove the merchants out of the temple. Probably not, Mike. When we return, we're going to tell that story, the one that never made it into an oil painting. Mm, Get ready, kids. It's going to be story time with Mike and Ken. Hello and welcome to Jesus Changes People, a podcast that seeks to uncover the real Jesus and what it means to be a modern-day follower of Him. Each week, we dive into different parts of Jesus' life and His teachings. Some of it will be familiar, and some of it will be, well, strange. Our goal is to help you to know Jesus better and to become more like Him. My name is Mike Ronkelia, and I serve as the online campus pastor at Mountain View Christian Church in Denver, Colorado. I'm joined today by our senior pastor and co-host of this podcast, Ken Hensley. Hi, Mike. I, I really like your oil painting of Jesus. Oh, thank you for the gift, I think. <laughs> okay. I'm not really well, sure. It's kind you know, of weird. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. But, but all joking aside, doesn't it seem like many Christians seem to prefer the oil painting version of Jesus over the real Jesus. Yeah, and it really does, it does seem that way. It's kind of sad. We want a Jesus who is nice and tidy and always says please and thank you. But that's not the full version of Jesus. In fact, it may not even be an accurate version of Jesus. It certainly is not an accurate version of Jesus, and that we'll see that in today's story. In John chapter 2, it's almost time for the Jewish Passover, and Jesus is in Jerusalem. And Jesus finds his way to the temple. And what he finds there, he doesn't like what he sees, not one bit. He sees people selling cattle and sheep and doves, and there are people exchanging different types of currency, and it really makes him angry. You know, it makes him so angry that he takes it upon himself to drive them out of the temple. In today's episode of Jesus Changes People, we're going to see why Jesus acted the way he did and what it means for us today. I really love donuts. When we first moved to Denver... I had to pass a grocery store on my way to work. It became really easy to swing by and leave with two chocolate donuts. Another stop at Starbucks, and I had my second breakfast of the morning. Not all habits are healthy habits. Did you know that there are many great resources to help you develop healthy spiritual habits? Developing the habit of regularly reading your Bible is one of them. Here at Jesus Changes People, we recommend downloading the YouVersion Bible app. 
It's free and has been installed over 500 million times. That's right, 500 million times. You can easily find passages in the Bible and choose from different translations. It's available for both iPhones and Android. You can go to uversion.com to get started. That's Y-O-U-Version.com. This might sound odd, but we often forget that Jesus was a Jew. He was raised in a Jewish family. He learned the law of Moses. He observed the festivals. And Mike, we know that he went to synagogue on Saturdays. Yep, and Ken, do you remember what happened when Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth? I do. He volunteered to read scripture. After he did, they kicked him out. I actually believe it was a little bit more involved than that. The passage he was reading from Isaiah, he actually claimed was about himself. That made the crowd really angry. So angry that they decided they were going to throw him off a cliff. Well, the way you put it sounds way more serious than how I described it. It was, definitely, for sure. But it also relates to today's story. Throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus understands his connection to his Jewish background. He does. He understands his role and his purpose. Yes, he does. He understands it and he accepts it. Mike, let's provide our listeners with some context. Our story is found in John chapter 2. The chapter begins with Jesus saving a wedding party by turning water into wine. That's actually one really good reason that we should make sure Jesus is invited to our wedding. Among several reasons. After the wedding, Jesus and his disciples decide to leave Cana and head to Capernaum. But they only stayed there a few days because it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. That's why we find Jesus going to Jerusalem. Yep, and Jesus would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover because he was a Jew. Exactly. But but Mike, help the non-Jewish people among us understand what the Passover meant to a Jew. Absolutely, Ken. To understand what the Passover meant to a Jew, we need to understand the three main festivals the the Jews would observe. Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Pentecost celebrated the end of the wheat harvest. The Feast of Tabernacles remembered when the Israelites had escaped Egypt but only had temporary shelter or tabernacles. And Mike, Passover was connected to the Israelites leaving Egypt as well. Yes, yes it was. You might remember the ten plagues, one for each time Moses asked Pharaoh to let his people go. I do remember them from Sunday school. Gave me nightmares, especially the frogs. The frogs were creepy. The old King English, or the old King James Version, the old King's English, goes something like this. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and unto thy bed. You know, looking back, they weren't so scary on a flannel board. But, but let's go back to the Passover. The Passover festival, remember, is the final plague when the angel of death would pass through Egypt and strike down the firstborn of both people and animals. But the angel of death would pass over the homes of the Israelites if they had put blood of the lamb, of a lamb, blood of a lamb on their doorposts. Mm, I see. And, and that's how the festival got its name, Passover. And that is why Jesus has come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. It is. And it also explains why, we find, why he's finding his way to the temple as well. Well, when he gets there, this is what John tells us. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. But to be fair, Mike, 
The old covenant did allow for that. It did. It did. All Israelites were instructed to bring a sacrifice to the temple. But if you lived too far away, God allowed you to buy your sacrifice when you arrived. That's found in Leviticus 14. Well, if that's the case, then what made Jesus so upset? That he'd take a, make a whip and drive people out of the temple. That's a really good question. I believe it's because the people had come to see the temple more as a marketplace than a place of worship. And I'm going to throw in a little thing too. People would show up with a worthy sacrifice, but they'd go, oh, no, no, that's not a temple approved sacrifice. And they would replace it. Mm. So it's kind of an interesting element that they were, they were running a racket. Mm. And so it was more about buying and selling than it really was about meeting with God. Well, that helps us understand why in Matthew's account... Jesus says, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. Yep. Even as they were about to celebrate Passover, they seem to have forgotten its purpose. The temple wasn't built for them. It was built for God. And Ken, the Jews didn't like Jesus driving out the merchants, did they? Mm, no, they didn't. In fact, in fact, they ask him, who died and made you boss? Well, G- I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's actually my paraphrase. I know, right? That, that's not in the Bible, but that's my paraphrase. And so, so they said to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? And Jesus tells them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Even today, that still sounds like a strange answer. It sounds strange to them. It definitely sounded strange to me. It sounds strange to them too. That's why they say to Jesus, it has taken 46 years for us to build this temple and you're going to raise it again in three days. Who are you? I think he could. Yep. You know, and, but the reality is he's talking about a different temple. John 2, 21 tells us the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Ken, did you just see what Jesus just did there? What's that? He just said to them, I am the temple. I am the place where God dwells. Mm. Well, now that's worth talking about. When we return, we're going to do just that. Did you know that the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119? All told, it's 176 verses. By contrast, the shortest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 117, which is only two verses. The longest single verse in the Bible is Esther 8-9. It has a total of 90 words. The shortest verse to memorize would be John 11:35. only two words, Jesus wept. The temple that Jesus visits in John chapter 2 isn't the first temple in Jerusalem. No, it's not. The first temple was built by Solomon, the son of King David. David had wanted to build a temple, but God told him he couldn't. Yep, and that's weird. God told him he couldn't because he had too much blood on his hands. Well, that's one way to put it. At any rate, the task falls to Solomon, David's son. And Solomon builds this fantastic temple. It has gold lampstands, gold plates, gold forks. There's gold everywhere. But that's not the temple that Jesus visits. No, that's the temple that was destroyed in 587 BC by the Babylonians. A second temple would be built on the same site and later expanded by King Herod Ah, in the first century. Yeah, King Herod. King Herod. Herod. He, He spent over 50 years expanding the temple. 
He added marble porticos all around. Not really sure what a portico is. I I don't either. I had had to Google it, and I could try to describe it. Portico sounds like an old um, 1970s uh, cop show. Portico. Portico? Maybe. (laughs) No, I don't know. It's on the uh, BTV. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. And he also builds, you know, this this massive fortress as a almost like a dormitory for his soldiers. And it was said to be the largest construction project in the first century. And it was completely paid by taxpayer dollars. <laughs> you know, not, not much has changed. Nope. You know, spiritually speaking, Mike, what, what else hasn't changed? Jesus is upset because of how they have misused and misunderstood the temple. I believe we face the same temptations. We want to confine God to a building or to a certain part of our life, and we make our worship more about us than about him. Mm, as the old, old-time old Baptist would say, Mike, you've gone from preaching to meddling. Yep, I, I've never heard that before, but that's not true. I have. I had an old preacher who would use that quite frequently. Well, I'm surprised because you weren't raised Baptist. No, actually, and it wasn't even in a Baptist. It was in more of a Pentecostal background. So, <laughs> Well, you know, but I do believe you're spot on. If you were to ask many Christians, what did you do this past Sunday? Here's how they'd probably answer. I went to church. And most often, what they're referring to, Mike, is a building. Right, or a service at a specific time, as in church starts in 15 minutes. Or when the preacher gets windy, church ran a little long this morning. But the church isn't a building, it's people. Instead of saying, I'm going to church, perhaps it would be better for us to say, I'm going to be with the church. We are the church. And it's not my church. It belongs to Jesus. That's why your second statement, we make our worship more about us than about God, is so important. It is. It is important because Jesus isn't interested in attracting consumers. The money changers had turned faith into a commodity. It was, most, it was mostly about meeting their needs and not about worshiping God. Well, that, that sounds familiar. Our culture creates consumers. Jesus wants to create contributors. And now you've gone from preaching kin to meddling. For over 65 years, Compassion International has been serving children in Jesus' name. With over 8,000 church partners around the world, Compassion is currently sponsoring nearly 2 million children each year. But what exactly does sponsoring a child mean? For a child living in poverty, it means an opportunity to attend or to stay in school. It also means having access to medical care and healthy food. Compassion partners with local churches to provide safe environments for learning and mentoring. And finally, most importantly, every child sponsored through Compassion has the opportunity to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. To learn more about Compassion, visit Compassion.com. That's Compassion.com. There's a YouTube channel called What's Inside. It's been on YouTube since 2008. It started as a father and son second grade project to see what was inside sports balls. Now, Mike, 14 years later, they are still cutting open random things to see what's inside. I, I took a look, Ken. It, it's, it's a pretty neat channel. Just in the past year, they've looked at what's inside of a cell phone, a first cell phone. Mount Rushmore. I'm not sure that they cut Mount Rushmore in half, Probably though. not. That would probably be a problem if they did that. They also 
Listen to this. They also looked at what's inside of a 20-year-old Twinkie. Any idea where they found the Twinkie? I have no idea. <laughs> Under your bed? <laughs> yes. <it's> <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do you know what they say about Twinkies? Uh, no. They, um, they say that Twinkies are the only thing that can survive a nuclear blast. Isn't that scary? Is that so? I mean, that, that's kind of scary to me. It, it probably is true, but, but personally, I don't want to find out. Right, right. All kidding aside, people are fascinated about what's inside of things. Yes, they are. You know, and even more so when it comes to understanding ourselves. Medically speaking, we have a much better idea today than ever before about what's inside of us. Just think about all the advances in genetics and how we're using that to develop treatments for different diseases. It's really incredible. It's, it's amazing. And thanks to science and medicine, we understand our biology much better than we ever have before. But what about the other stuff that's inside of us? And not Twinkies. <laughs> but, but the emotional, moral, psychological, spiritual side of us. Mike, that's much harder to figure out. It is. It's harder indeed, for sure. Way back in the book of Jeremiah, God himself described the human heart as deceitful above all things and beyond cure. But then following up on that, he says, who can understand it? Jesus does. We haven't finished John chapter 2 just yet. The chapter closes with these verses. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. That's so good. Jesus knows what's inside of us. And because he does, he also knows what we need. And what do we need, Ken? We need him. That's a good point. And you know, Mike, this story is about so much more than Jesus simply clearing out the temple or fighting against unjust business practices. That's right. The whole point of this story is to reveal to us his true identity and mission. He is the living word, the Lamb of God, the temple of God. As you go through this next week, be mindful of his presence in your life. Thank him for being with you. And remember, Jesus is so much more than an oil painting. Thank God. Each week, we're going to answer one or two of your questions or respond to one of your comments. You can send your questions and comments to podcast at mtnvw.org, and we'll do our best to give you an answer. We call it Play Stump the Pastor. <laughs> Ken, that's not too hard. You know that. It's pretty easy to stump us. But anyways, our question this week has to do with the name of Jesus. And the question is, was his full name Jesus Christ? Is that with or without the H? If it was with the H, how would it sound? Well, I, <laughs> I don't want to say it. Okay. <laughs> Preferably without the H then. Well, but it is an honest question. Many times we hear Jesus referred to as Jesus Christ, and it's easy to assume that Jesus was his first name and Christ was his last name. Like Billy Smith or, or Bubba or, Smith. Or my baloney has a first name, but it doesn't have a last name. That's B-A... <laughs> yeah, I don't I can't know. spell baloney. <laughs> I don't know. Bologna? 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 I don't Bologna? know. Anyway. Yeah, but it is a good question. You know, Jesus was, was, was indeed his first name, mm -hmm. like, like yours is Mike. But, but Christ isn't actually a name, it's a title. And we get the word from the Greek word that meant anointed one or chosen one. The fancy term is transliteration. So transliteration, not translation? No, transliteration. 
Here's what the dictionary says. Transliteration is the process of transferring a word from the alphabet of one language to another. The Greek word that meant anointed one was Christos, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S. And that became shortened to just Christ. But Ken, really, did Jesus have a last name like Smith? Not not that it was actually Smith, but you know, like Smith, something like that? No, no, probably not. He probably didn't have a last Hmm. name. But best that we can tell, Jews didn't use surnames or last names until around the 10th or 11th century. So... It definitely wasn't Jesus Smith. We know that. It was, it was just Jesus. Yeah, definitely not Jesus Smith. Okay. Coming up on the next episode of Jesus Changes People. We're going to meet the man who is partially responsible for the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. His name is Nicodemus, and he has a fascinating late-night conversation with Jesus about being born again. But be warned, Jesus is going to talk about a bronze snake and how that represents God saving us from the self-destruction of sin. Thank you for listening to Jesus Changes People a podcast that seeks to uncover the real Jesus and what it means to be a modern-day follower of him. Our goal is to help you know Jesus better and to become more like him. If you would like to connect with us, you may do so by leaving comments or questions wherever you listen to this podcast. Help us spread the message by leaving us a review. And if you'd like to communicate by email, you may send us a message at podcast at mtnvw.org. That is podcast at mtnvw.org. Thanks again and have a great week. This might sound odd. I'm going to do that again. Okay. Mm, No, they don't. I think we got off track. Yep, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Then I can roll with it. My name is Mike Ronkelia, and I serve as the online campus pastor at Mountain View Christian Church in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> wow. And the Feast of Tagger- Tabernacles remembered when the... <laughs> that is a Tabernacles is a hard word to say. And I'm glad you pronounced that word because I <laughs> Tabernacles is hard. Tabernacles. Tabernacles. <laughs> it's difficult. So... Um, <laughs> totally uh, lost this. It was... But it also relates to our story today, which is, is oh. Ooh, so close, so close. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly. Will shall, I don't even know if I can do this in the <laughs> <laughs> You had a, it was going. By contrast, the shortest chapter in, in song, it really is incredible. Thanks to science and medicine, we understand our bio, biology. The, <laughs> boop, boop. It started as a father and son, second grade, second grade. <laughs> then he asked, what can I under, what, who, <laughs> yes. Yay, we're going to put the music here. Woo-hoo.